Welcome to the Voices of the Elephant podcast. Each episode of Voices of the Elephant brings you an interview with a member of the PHP community. From project leaders to user group organizers, we talk to the people that are helping make the PHP community special. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Voices of the Elephant. This is a special episode. It's my privilege to have a longtime friend of mine, Mr. Chris Hart, just grumpy programmer on um, Twitter, if you hang around Twitter. And Chris has just put on a conference called GrumpyConf, and we're going to talk about GrumpyConf. Um, somewhere around in the middle, we're going to talk about my, one of my favorite topics, SiteGround, just for a little bit. I'll give them a shout out for sponsoring. Um, Chris, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. Was, just before we start recording, uh, I said to Cal that this is the first time in a long time where I haven't been in some type of recorded session with him where I didn't have the didn't have a cold. Last time I've done Nomad, I was sick as a dog and somehow powered through it all. But you still made it through. Um, I, I, I wasn't at that episode, but uh, I wasn't hosting that one. But Kathy mm -hmm. said you did a wonderful job. So uh, we, we do appreciate you soldiering on. Um, hey, okay, so let's talk Grumpy Comp, because I love to talk to conference organizers after a conference, not immediately after it. I tried that with Adam uh, Culp one time, immediately after Sunshine, and he was just so wiped that I said, you know, I'm just not going to do that again. But uh, we, you've had a few days now to recover. Um, let's start with, you used to run a conference, or you were part of uh, the team that ran a conference called True North, and uh, for the first time, this I think this year, y'all didn't have a True North. Why did True North stop happening? So the whole thing, to fill in some background, so what happened after we did the event for the fourth time, uh, Pete Meth, who is my partner in all this stuff, mm -hmm. uh, we always have like um, a celebratory dinner afterwards. And so we're sitting at dinner and, and I said to Pete, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of getting bored of doing this. Were you like stressed out at any point during the conference? And Pete was like, no, had everything handled? And I'm like, yeah, um, I was actually bored too. So how about we just do this one more time? Because I'm always a firm believer in um, ending something too soon than letting it linger on. Uh, Pete and I felt like we could have kept doing True North, I don't know, like until the heat death of the sun, basically. We could have just kept it going on autopilot in that location that size, similar types of talks. And just Pete and I were like, we're both just kind of bored with it. It was no longer a challenge. And there's other things that we wanted to do. So one last time uh, we did it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the way that it went. Like we kind of accomplished everything that we wanted to do. I have some regrets that maybe the event never got to the size that my ego wanted it to be, but we were kind of <laughs> consistent in the number of attendees and the quality of the talks. And, uh, you know, afterwards when it was all um, finished and, you know, people had lots of nice things to say to both me and my wife, uh, not my wife, gosh, she helped me with this one, me and Pete um, about what we did. And that felt gratifying that all the work that we put in, you know, we got some nice reward out of it. Uh, you know, I saw some tweets going around earlier today talking about how the job of, you know, um, a community uh, organizer, whether it's like a user group or even a conference is really a selfless one. You shouldn't be doing it if you're expecting a bunch of people to pat you on the back. You're mm -hmm. doing it because you want to you want to give back. And for many and for many people like myself who don't have the programming chops to contribute back to the PHP language, I can think of no better way to help than run a conference. Uh, it's, that's very true. And I can relate to the 
um, the, the getting bored with it. I used to run a conference with Jacques Woodcock in um, Nashville called Coder Fair. It was me and him and Kathy, and we did it three years and had a blast all three years. But we got ready to start planning the fourth one. I'm like, you know, I just don't feel like doing this. It, you know, it was it was fun, but it was it was time to to let it go. So, and then of course, you know, Jacques moved to um, what's he at Seattle these days? He's in yeah. Seattle. Jacques, we miss you. Please come yes. back. Nashville is not the same without you, son. Um, anyhow. Well, just, just the sheer amount of hats that are no longer in circulation <laughs> in Nashville alone impacted things. For those this who don't know, true. for those who don't know, Jacques uh, um, is one of the few people that I know who can wear a hat uh, as a male and, and pull it off without looking goofy or like a hipster. So shout out to Jacques. I miss you. Haven't seen you in ages. Hope to see you again sometime soon. Um, okay. That's, uh, yes, Jacques, we, we we miss you. I'm sorry, I was reading um, Andrew's question. Andrew, I'll get to that in just a second. Okay, so True North is wrapping up, and you've brought it to a an end. And I like the fact that y'all said let's do it one more time, and you know, just end it properly instead of just you know, we're just not going to do it again. It, it, it was a nice send off to it. What was the vision for Grumpy Comp? I mean, I, if you were bored with True North, why would you want to do another conference? Well, what what kind of spurred on Grumpy Conf was me saying, okay, uh, I still like doing the community stuff because again, it's, it's uh, um, you know, I discovered over the years that this is kind of a talent that I have organizing and, and this sort of stuff. I kind of fell into it and discovered, hey, I kind of like it and I'm kind of good at it. So I was thinking, I want to do something else, but I wasn't sure what. I had seen a couple of years ago there was a great event called um, Fun Conf. Um, that's mm -hmm. uh, Eamon, Eamon Leonard uh, and some other folks organized. And that was literally, uh, we're going to run an event. We're not going to tell you what's going on. Do you trust us enough to throw a bunch of money at us to make it happen? And so they ran it for a couple of years and then and then cut it off. And so I, I, I didn't think I could pull that off. But I was trying to think what I wanted to do. I felt like I wanted to do something, something smaller uh, than True North. True North was always about between 110 and 130 attendees. I was like, I wanted something smaller. And then in, um, uh, then back in 2017, uh, I got uh, harassed by a coworker to come out to Colorado to go to this event called the Winter Tech Forum, of course, with the uh, short form WTF. And uh, <laughs> uh, this is a coworker of mine from Mozilla who works with me um, on the services testing side. He had been to this event a number of times and was one of the organizers. And he's like, this is an open spaces event. I think you would get a lot out of coming to it. And I think the other attendees would love to hear your point of view and, and you know, find out kind of what makes you tick because you are somebody who is very, very different from the other people that attended. So um, Winter Tech Forum is run by um, Bruce Eccles. Um, he's a somewhat big name in Java circles and he's moved on to do other things. So, you know, if you've done a little bit of Java work, you're probably familiar with his books and he's since moved on to do some stuff with, with Python and with Go and Elm and just a whole bunch of things. And he's a very, very interesting person, but Winter Tech Forum is a complete open sources, uh, sorry, open spaces event, meaning there are no speakers. Uh, there are no uh, slots decided ahead of time. You basically show up, and then there's a bunch of uh, papers up on a wall and you literally sign up 
on what you want to talk about in any given time slot for that day. So I went and I only knew uh, my friend Matt and I was like super intimidated to be there because I'm used to being the rock star at the conference, right? Because of all the stuff I've done with PHP, not mm -hmm. just an attendee. So that was a little weird, um, but I really liked the format because it gave us a chance to kind of explore, find out if other people are interested in the same topics and keep it with a really small group. There was about 25 people who were at Winter Tech Forum when I went. And, you know, uh, I got a chance to talk to people about, my, um, people were interested in like, how did I build up such a big um, uh, Twitter following? And people were like uh, incredulous about things like, you mean there's like a testing culture in PHP? And so it was like, you know, kind of interesting to sit down with small groups of people and discuss these things. And, you know, I realized about halfway through the event, this was kind of like the hallway track that we talk about all the time, but for mm -hmm. an entire, but for an entire conference. So not an not an unconf is like what we normally call would call it, where we're still doing that kind of traditional one person's up at the front, mini lecture style to everybody else there. You know, you need the projector and your laptop with your presentation. This was literally let's get together at these prearranged slots of time to talk about whatever the other people want to talk about. And uh, that was really intriguing, and I liked that. And so when I got back home, I started scheming, like I always do, and thinking, <laughs> if I wanted to do this, but for the PHP community, what do I think I would need to do to pull it off? And so that's how, and of course, I had the personal branding. I thought, who could resist an event called GrumpyConf? I mean, just the name alone got so many reactions from the staff at the venue and from the people that helped me. They're like, so what's with this branding? What's with this name? And of course, you know, I get sold out all the time by people saying, oh, Chris is a lovely man in person. He's not as grumpy um, as the name <laughs> would imply. So the wait staff at the, um, at the resort that we ran GrumpyConf at had a, had a good chuckle about that. So I didn't think the PHP folks were ready for a complete open spaces event. So I like, mm -hmm. okay, I wanted to do, I said, let's do a hybrid one because I need some names of people to act as a draw to get other people to come to this event. So I was like, in the mornings, I want to have, uh, it's going to be single track. So a couple speakers before lunch and then after lunch, we'll break down into the open spaces. And so then I just started thinking about other things. I'm like, what's the most annoying part about going to one of these things? Like, well, you know, you always have to book your hotel separately. So I'm like, why don't I just uh, have a ticket um, include uh, two nights at the resort? So that oh way people, when they, when they just show up, their room was already there for them. So they didn't have to worry about, um, you know, dealing with all the hotel stuff and, and trying to get reimbursed, or maybe they would have to pay for it if their work wasn't going to pay for their travel or whatever. So I was trying to like, have this idea that you know I wanted to get people in a somewhat uh, somewhat isolated environment where it would be difficult for them to leave and get distracted by other things um, surrounding the conference. I mean, mm -hmm. I could only imagine Adams Culp's struggle to capture people's attention when you're having a conference in Vegas. And I'm like, I don't want that. I want people to sort of be forced to stick around at the venue unless they actually want to physically leave. And I figured that idea combine the ticket for the event with you getting also getting a guaranteed hotel room at the resort would encourage people to stick around and interact with each other after all the talks are over instead of just like disappearing into their rooms or whatever so mm -hmm. that was kind of the vision small small-ish event so definitely smaller than true north but with a focus on i want people in small groups talking to each other because i think the hallway track um is the underrated part of the conference. This is where ideas get formed, new things get worked on, people uh, 
are introduced to other people, you expand your network, you expand the technologies you're aware of, you expand um, to add people who were who didn't know you before, who you can almost count count on as friends when it's all said and done. That is what I wanted for GrumpyConf. Very cool. Hey, um, we've got a Slack channel open. Uh, if you are not in there and you are listening to this live, point a browser to slack.eicc.com, put in your email address, we'll send you an invite. Um, Omni Adams, who surprisingly does not show up on the attendees list, but um, is asking questions. So obviously he's listening somewhere. Um, he, Omni is a former conference organizer also. He ran um, or helped run the uh, Lone Star PHP. I've, I've just got out of the habit of saying Lone Star now, and now I can't say it correctly. Um, and he asked a, a good question. Uh, he says, can't you interact with the speakers at all the conferences? Um, he says he knows that when he's doing his uh, call for papers or selection, that they tend to shy away from uh, conference speakers that won't interact with the speakers or with the attendees. Um, and he says, or those jerks, or those who are jerks to attendees. Well, Omni, I apologize for that. So get over it, okay? <laughs> no, but can't you interject? Do you do you see this as a real problem? People not being able to interact with the speakers. Well, first of all, shout out to Omni. He's an honorary Canadian because of his love of hockey. And I haven't seen Omni in a while, so it's nice to hear from him. What I was, um, what Omni's talking about is true to a certain extent. But what I find happens is that a lot of attendees are super intimidated by the speakers. And a lot of attendees who can contribute to discussions and have a lot of interesting uh, questions and can provide interesting answers uh, to other people's questions um, are reluctant to talk to the speakers. I mean, no matter how many times I tell people, uh, the only difference between me and a lot of the attendees is that I simply know enough about a topic that I can get it get up in front of a group of people and speak about it without, you know, uh, without um, having stage fright or being super intimidated. And despite yeah. me telling people I'm very open to discussions, uh, I love to talk to people, still there are lots and lots of people who are reluctant to approach speakers. So I don't think it's, uh, I think it's good to concentrate on having speakers who you think are open to discussing things, not just about the topic that, that they presented, but other topics as well. I just didn't feel like it was enough. I wanted to create what I felt was the um, um, perfect environment for those discussions to actually happen. And uh, in, a, in a traditional conference setting, it might work, it might not work. You're it's really depending on the, the speakers you've invited and the willingness of uh, attendees to approach the speakers. Because, you know, the speakers, we'll be honest, Cal, right? We tend to hang out together at these events as well. That's true. Yeah. So some people are like, they feel really uncomfortable uh, trying to get in there and, and breaking the group up. So uh, on the one hand, it's, you know, it's good for speakers to say, no, no, we want the attendees to speak to us. I still feel like it's very, very important to create that environment where um, people are not intimidated to talk to the, the speakers. And you know, you, you mentioned that um, I wrote for, I used to write for PHP Architect, I used to write the Community Corner, and I actually wrote an entire article on this very topic one time uh, about the cool kids table. And it was partly explaining to everybody who attends conferences and sees all the speakers hanging out together and uh, is intimidated, it was part, trying to explain to them, look, we only get to see each other once or twice a year and we're all real good friends. So we're all naturally just gravitating towards each other. But then the other half of the article was like, look, speakers don't do this. You know, at lunch, don't sit more than two per table spread out so that people can 
talk to you because that that's important that they that they be able to approach you so there's no real good easy solution for it um that's one of the reasons i like conferences that kind of have a, a speaker's event beforehand because that way we can all catch up we can all get out of the way and they're at the conference we can there be there at the conference for the attendees let's see andrew i have not forgotten your question but it fits nicely in a upcoming segment so we're going to hold off on that right now so um, you were actually designing this to be a small, intimate conference. Now, I love the open space thing. Um, I ran what I believe to be the very first PHP conference, Uncon, back at um, ZenCon 2007. And I got the idea from, um, what was it? O'Reilly used to have a Web 2.0 conference. Uh, not the summit, but the conference. Uh, and I went there one time and they had set up some open spaces exactly like you're describing. And I didn't want to do it quite like that, but I knew I wanted someplace where the attendees could do their own thing. And so we we had that. And 2007, we kind of was trying to figure out what to do. 2008, Keith Casey came in and just really took over the Uncon and blew the doors off. But it was very similar to what you're talking about. You 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 show up and you sign up, a type thing, and you show up with your slide deck and you say this is if you're going to do a slide deck. Uh, some of them were just roundtable discussions or you know the group just sitting around talking. And I find that's a, a great way to extend the hallway track. You're correct. Um, but you 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 designed it for small. Why why did you decide to go small? Because I mean. I know the economics of a conference. Small is not good when you're designing a conference. Well, there was a couple of things. I uh, Like the smallness was me thinking, uh, if we get the group too large, then um, you greatly reduce the ability of all the attendees to interact with each other. Like there's, I, I mean, you've seen those diagrams, right? Cal, where they talk about you have this many people and you know, you draw the lines from one attendee to the next one. You figure out how many unique groups there are. I mean, it's like a spoke type thing. I've seen it where it talks about, you know, every time you add one person to a group, mm -hmm. the number of the number of conversations required for everyone to speak uh, with each other, you know, it's like some power law, right? I mean, I'm sure there's a name for it. I just don't know what it is. I was just kind of concerned that if I got it too big, I felt like I would. Uh, I would not be able to force people to interact with each other. The groups get too big, then they'll inevitably break down into smaller subgroups. And that's gonna happen anyway, but you want to like greatly reduce the formation of large subgroups, if that makes sense. So I figured uh, my, I mean, my initial thought was I could uh, just through sheer force of personality get 50 people um, mm -hmm. to come. And then things went super slow because, you know, I was just figuring out the marketing messages and what I wanted to do. And I tried to do this thing. Oh, I'm going to say who the speakers are, but not what they're talking about. And then I got lots of feedback that, you know, for some people whose businesses were going to pay, it was going to be really hard for them to justify. Well, what are you going to learn at this thing? Well, there's these speakers coming. Well, what are they going to be talking about? Oh, we don't know what they're going to talk about yet. So that was going to be a hard sell. So I changed that up. And then I discovered, okay, maybe I could get uh, – it's to 25 speakers, uh, sorry, 25 tickets sold, and then another six speakers, so like 30. And then as I started going into I'm like, yeah, this is proving to be a, uh, a harder sell than I thought. And in the end, we ended up with uh, 
12 tickets sold, which I think is, you know, my ego screams at me that I'm a humongous failure for it. But the, the realist in me says, this is the first time that you're doing this. This is a very different event from what uh, most PHP conference attendees are expecting. So the fact that I could run it and pull it off and have it not collapse upon itself and in the end actually break even due to some nice help from uh, one sponsor plus the resort being awesome and pricing me at a fixed cost per attendee instead of me having to like float a whole bunch of money at the beginning uh, and then uh, cross my fingers that uh, ticket sales were gonna cover everything. So in that respect, it worked out. I, I felt comfortable that what I priced the event at, if I got you know a small number of speakers, it was gonna be okay because the speakers were more than pay for you know all the stuff that they're being provided. Just the wild card was uh, enough money to pay for my speakers travel costs because uh, we did that for all the years at True North. I firmly believe in that speakers should be compensated bare minimum by having their travel costs covered. So I knew if I could sell enough tickets that uh, I would be able to pay for the speakers. And you know I, I got lucky that uh, uh, one speaker paid for everything themselves and another speaker's company paid for their travel. So I only had to pay, you know, I only have to pay the costs for like two and a half speakers. Um, Elizabeth uh, Smith came and she drove. So her, so the cost of like reimbursing her for gas and a little bit of her time is a lot less than what I would have had to pay for, uh, for a flight from somewhere. So yeah. That, that's I, I was extremely lucky that I could price it per person. If I if I had to like you know if they're saying well it's going to cost X amount um, up front, I might have hesitated uh, to sign all the documents and commit to it. But this way because I knew fixed cost per attendee for both you know for the tickets that were just the event because we had one person come who was a local so he purchased the ticket just for the event. Everyone else purchased the ticket that included the hotel room. So that you know taught me that including the hotel room was a, was a really good idea. So I, I didn't feel it was that risky um, just because I knew my fixed costs. And, uh, you know, I had enough money laying around that provided I didn't owe like 10 grand beyond what everything else costs, things are going to be fine. And like I said, I ended up breaking even, which I think is fantastic for a small event being run for the first time. That is excellent. Uh, obviously, you did something right. Uh, Andrew Ko said in the chat room that uh, Grumpy Conf was one of the best conferences he's ever had the chance to go to over the years, and he really enjoyed the possibility of interacting with and talking to the speakers directly. So, you know, obviously, you you have impacted somebody. Yeah, like I mean, I, I got to meet Andrew. I had met Andrew, of course. I've met so many people at conferences. I always tell people when I meet them, I'm sorry if I don't remember who you mm -hmm. are. You look vaguely familiar, but I've met so many people, so please don't take it personally if I introduce myself and forget that I met you. But I also understood that part of the risk of running an event like this was uh, you were going to attract a certain type of attendee. You were already aiming for more experienced developers and more importantly, people who were okay with uh, stepping through that, you know, that little tiny artificial barrier that t tends to go up between the attendees and the speakers. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I was talking to people, I got the feedback and the ones who were like the least happy with the event were the ones that had a hard time pushing through, um, pushing through that little barrier to actually talk to the other attendees.
Interesting. Very interesting. Hey, uh, before we move on, I need to give a shout out to our sponsor, SiteGround. You know, every website needs hosting, but not all hosts are the same. Now, if you're looking for a solid and secure host for your website, your web application, or your web store, check out SiteGround. They are rock solid technical people. They're easy to work with when it comes to support, but most importantly, they're fun people to be around. Now, if you run into them at a WordCamp or a PHP conference, stop by the booth and talk to them. You'll see what I mean. Most importantly, though, when you're ready to select your next um, ho your host for your next web app, check them out. You can find out more information about them at SiteGround.com, and make sure you tell them Cal sent you. Hey, now we've talked about you. You you had a vision. I, you know, the one thing I don't recall is a call for papers. Did you have an open call, or did was yours a curated um, list? Uh it's a curated list and it's going to forever be a curated list. That's probably the biggest difference uh, between True North and this event, other than size, of course. But I, you know, I had uh, I had people in mind that I wanted to come to this event. Mm -hmm. And so I think I selected a good cross-section of speakers. We talked about a bunch of interesting topics. Um, I'm very, very happy with the way all the talks went, and I'm definitely going to curate a, a bunch of folks um, for next year. I don't know if I'm going to invite the same people to come back. I may want to uh, cover some different topics, but the theme was the theme I wanted was kind of uh, high performance PHP and high performance uh, personal skills. So uh, I feel to get that mix that I really, really want. I need to select the speakers rather than uh, rely on a call for papers. Because with a call for papers situation, you don't, you have some control, but not enough that you can exactly get the type of talks that you mm -hmm. want. And I wanted certain people to come and talk who I felt had a lot to offer um, to the event. I mean, of course, the thing that I'm most bummed about was um, that Ed couldn't come. I had invited him uh, mm -hmm. to speak. And just, uh, you know, Ed, unfortunately, had to decline. That's the biggest thing I uh, thought was missing from the event was we got some really good technical talks, but the people I was counting on to deliver the personal skills talks um, just weren't able to attend. Also, Aaron O'Neill had to um, step out uh, of the event as well. So I, I kind of missed the personal skills talks that I wanted. So next year, I, I want to rectify that by making sure I have a, an even split, um, six speakers, three doing personal ones, three doing kind of what I call high performance PHP stuff. And of course, uh, unlike at True North, I don't do a talk at this event. I'm just there kind of as the master's, master of ceremonies and making sure all the attendees are looked after by the people at the venue. Very cool. You had a name there that I haven't seen in forever. Uh, Moses Nagone was there. Yes. Um, I, I interviewed Moses back when I was with PHP Architect and we were doing the CodeWorks tours. Mm -hmm. uh, I interviewed uh, Moses for Voices of the Elephant, and uh, he's a fascinating character, but I, I've not seen him speak at anything in uh, ever. So um, I was really pleased to see um, him step up. I assume he did a good job. Otherwise, um, you, you would have trashed him on Twitter. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I've never seen Moses speak. So how, how did he do? Um, Moses did okay. He actually was kind of like how I was when I did the Nomad stuff. He was suffering from a cold, so I don't oh, think okay. he—I don't think he delivered uh, the the talk uh, like to the best of his ability, just because he had a cold. But like I invited Moses because of all the work he has done outside of building things 
for the web. He has some great experiences with Internet of Things devices and trying to work on building out uh, applications and systems in Africa where the challenges are much, much different from what we face here. So, hmm. and I had tried to get Moses to, I had encouraged Moses to submit to True North. And, you know, we were pretty much a democracy at, uh, at True North. And I championed his talks and not enough people wanted to see what he was speaking about. So when I ran this, uh, when I was putting together GrumpyConf, I was like, now that I can pick whomever that I want, mm -hmm. um, uh, I wanted Moses to come on top because just all the other, all the stuff that he has done, I thought was uh, very, very interesting and that the other attendees would get a lot out of it. Very cool. Well, uh, like I said, um, I've known Moses from way back and I'm sure uh, even with a cold, he delivered a, uh, he delivered value for the time. So, which is really what we, what we look to as a conference organizer, what we look for. And I have no problem with the curated um, list. Uh, every day camp for developers I do, um, it's always curated because I have a topic and I go out and I start finding people, the, the best people out there or the best developers out there for that topic. And um, I, I usually don't do, or I've never done a, a call for papers. It's always just been, these are the ones I think are the best at the moment. And, and especially, um, be, especially because it's just one person um, deciding who's going mm -hmm. to speak. I felt that a call for papers was just, uh, to be honest, was just going to be a waste of my time. I'd be wasting all this time going yeah. through, going through what would likely be um, hundreds of submissions for six speaking slots. I decided just to save myself that trouble by approaching people um, directly and saying, uh, here's what I'm doing. Here's my vision. I would love uh, for you to participate. Are you in? And that's basically yeah. how every single conversation went. Oh, Eric Hoag's in the chat room. He said he also loved GrumpyCom. So, you know, you, you, you've got fans there. Um, hey, so we've talked about your vision. We talked about how you got here. Um, what was what were some of the lessons that you learned? Because you've already announced that you're going to do it next year. Um, what were some of your takeaways from this year? Things that you are going to do different to make the conference better? So I, I think the, the big thing that I'm going to do to make the conference better is is tweak some of the things that the attendees are going to get are, are going to receive in exchange for your ticket. Um, of uh, of all the people who bought the ticket um, that included the hotel room, so that was I guess 11 people. Nine of the 11 wanted the um, uh, wanted the extra night. They ended up purchasing an extra night. So that mm -hmm. taught me let's just go with the three nights: the Thursday, Friday, Saturday right out of the you know right out of the shoot let's just get those included in the ticket next year the second thing that i want to take a look at is the resort it's a really nice place and because it's a really nice place the prices for the food are quite high even when you look at you know what i'm used to spending at other hotels when i go to events so yeah. i want to i want to work on some things to uh uh you know provide people options for food at the event that are much cheaper than you know what you would get if you would um, if you were eating at the restaurant. The food was excellent, but just a little bit pricey, you know. So if I could do something like uh, you know um, provide a, a a dinner buffet on the Friday night and the Saturday night, just so people could stick around. And those who didn't like the food option, well, they could you know get in their car because most people rented cars to show up there. Uh, get in their car and drive uh, either into the, the the town where we're where this resort is located, and it was like you know 10 minutes to get into the downtown with a bunch of restaurants, or you could drive 20 minutes in one direction or 20 minutes in the other direction and have lots and lots of other choices for restaurants. Mm -hmm. 
So I just think, again, you know, with the focus on make sure people are comfortable, the rooms were great, service was great, food was great, just give people reasons to stay at the resort and interact with the other attendees instead of saying, well, you can kind of stick around, you know, if you can afford a, you know, like a $60 dinner, right? I mean, not everybody can, I get that. Yeah. So if I can make it easier for people to commit to three evenings uh, at the hotel and sticking around, we provided lunch, excellent buffet lunch that they offer there. And I'm gonna see if I can get the same thing done for them for, uh, for dinner, just to keep them around. Uh, other than that, like just a few minor tweaks for things like uh, um, people really, really liked the small breakout rooms that we had, but we had two upstairs and two down in the basement. I was like, no, next year, let's have them all upstairs in mm. the same spot. So a lot easier to move from uh, room to room and have the sign-up lists somewhere visible so people don't have to trek all the way back down to the main big room that we had, look and see where their next breakout session they wanted to go to was, and then you know, walk all the way back up upstairs again to find it. So just like a few little tiny logistics things. But I thought otherwise everything else worked really, really well. Other big change I think is um, I'm going to make the local tickets, uh, meaning tickets that don't include a room, a lot mm -hmm. cheaper uh, to encourage uh, local folks uh, in the area. London, Ontario is near to where we are. About 380,000 people live there. There's quite a quite a decent tech scene there probably a little bit too far for folks from Toronto. It's a two hour drive. I don't know how many people want to make a two hour drive there and a two hour drive back to come to this thing. So, yeah. you know, uh, if I want to get people to come locally and participate and, you know, help with my bottom line a little bit to compensate the speakers for their travel costs, then I need more local people to show up for next year's event. Very cool. I, I, I know what you mean about the, the conference rooms being on split levels. Uh, back when I was running ZenCon, we had it at the Santa Clara Convention Center and the big room was downstairs and then you had to go up the escalators and down a hall to get to the other breakout rooms. And it was just really inconvenient for people, even though they had escalators and everything, it was just really inconvenient. Um, having everything right there together makes the experience much better just for the, for the attendees. Yeah, the little tiny breakout rooms that we had were perfect. They fit like you could get six or seven in there really comfortably and up to like 10 or 12 in some of the rooms if you had to really, um, you know, smush people in. So yeah. that was, you know, feedback I got that they really liked those rooms. They just didn't like having to go uh, all the way down into the basement of the resort to find the other room. So, again, these are all things that I think are 100% are, uh, fixable. There's no – I didn't see anything else that I thought was uh, – a deal breaker or there's no way um, I can possibly change this. The only other thing that I'm thinking about is the idea of all the attendees meeting in one, you know, loading zone near the Toronto airport. And then I just rent a bus and the bus comes and picks everybody up oh. and we all go there together and maybe have a talk or two on the bus itself. Cause it's about a hour and a half to two hour drive, depending on traffic from the Toronto airport to where the resort is. So, you know, do something like that. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of other things that would save people from renting cars. But then, you know, you also have the problem of people's flights to leave happen at all sorts of different times. So I'm not too sure if some people would be happy uh, with getting dumped off near the airport at, you know, yeah. like 10 o'clock in the morning uh, when their flight isn't until six o'clock at night. So, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm definitely trying to think of ways to make it easier for people to get to the venue and, and, and get back uh, to the airport when they're ready to go home. 
Chris Pitt says to call it Grumpy Bus. It's like the magic <laughs> school bus, but smelly because of the after you're, everybody's been on the airplane. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he's already registered that Twitter account for Grumpy Bus. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, oh, and Mike Wilbanks, who is another conference organizer, he organizes uh, Midwest PHP. Um, he hit the nail on the head. He said one of the worst parts about organizing conferences is the cost of meals, beverages, and everything. Uh, you know, everybody loves to complain at conferences. Oh, they took the coffee away too quick, or oh, there's no coffee out here. Nobody understands that coffee's on the average forty dollars a gallon. You know, and, and that that adds up real quick when you are running a, a decent sized conference. And so, and espe and especially when there was one person paying for everything, me, yeah. right? It wasn't it wasn't like I could say, okay, I'm going to get a sponsor to uh, handle the coffee and a sponsor for the Friday lunch and a sponsor for the Saturday lunch. This was me putting myself out there and taking a much bigger risk than I think a lot of my fellow conference organizers would be willing to take because I viewed it as a calculated risk. I knew what needed to happen in order to make this thing work. And I was, you know, with my usual ridiculous level of confidence, I thought, yeah, of course I can pull this off. I'm a grumpy programmer. Of course this is going to work. So mm -hmm. uh, that, that's the, that was the biggest challenge in that I felt that an event like this, it was going to be very hard to attract sponsors because the value proposition for the sponsor is completely off for this yeah. event. Uh, there was no way I could provide people with uh, a booth. There was no way I was going to provide um, access to the speakers, uh, not just the speakers, but access to all the attendees to try to sell them something. And those yeah. are usually the value propositions you give sponsors. You're paying me X amount of dollars to get your name on something as a sponsor, and then in return, you get access. And with an event like this where my goal was personal development, and learning what really experienced practitioners of PHP do, how they actually solve problems. There was just no way I felt that I could get enough sponsors that my uh, monetary exposure um, was gonna be minimal, you know? I, I agree with that. Um, I think you probably could have attracted a couple of the forward-thinking sponsors. There's a couple companies out there that really understand how to talk to developers and the fact that being one of 13 people there, it means they get to talk to everybody at the conference and not do the hard sell, but I've been in developer relations. I know that the, the point of going to a conference is not to do the hard sell unless you're working the booth. The point is to engage people in conversations and find out what's going on so that you've got intelligence to take back to the, um, the R&D team. And that is, your your scenario that you've built here is, is phenomenal for that. But you can't have 10 sponsors and 12 attendees either. You know, that's <laughs> no. just not going to work. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with you, Cal. I think the getting, speaking to some of the developer relations types to say, hey, look, there's a crowd here. You know, if you offer it a sponsor, plunk uh, X amount down to help me with the costs, you will get to talk to all these people. And, you know, uh, people will understand that that's kind of your role. You're here to talk to them. And as long as you don't do the hard sell of, yeah. uh, you know, where you're trying to get them, the uh, every attendee you talk to, you try to get them to buy your product that you're representing. Uh, you're right. You're likely to get some good uh, good information and feedback from uh, from the attendees that you can then take back to your employer and say, hey, I was with this group of people who are this sort of all, who are sort of all kind of similar experience and use some of the same tools. And these are the things that they were talking about. These are the things that they were happy with. Here's, here are the things that were causing them pain. Let's see if we can come up with something to help them.
Yeah. Um, Michael Beckwith over in the channel wants to know if the new grumpy bus will groan instead of sputter. So <laughs> I'm sitting here really trying not to giggle because they're all just cutting up in the chat room. Well, this uh, is why I'm, this is why I don't go to chat when I'm doing these things. Otherwise, I would probably uh, probably join in on the giggling or or say something career limiting. So it's better this way. <laughs> and Michael uh, or Mike Wilbank said that um, his coffee is running him eighty four dollars a gallon. So Mike. Um, I don't know what to tell you, man, but 40 is the most I've uh, I've seen. I'm helping um, my friend and coworker, Frank Laszlo, organize PHP Detroit. Uh, I now work at Nexus, and um, you know, he Frank is one of our senior programmers there, and he decided he's going to put on a conference. And so I've, it's been fun for me because I get to advise and I get to see everything. He's shown me the contracts and all this, but I don't have to do any of the work. So this is wonderful for me, you know? Let's see. Uh, what's the last? Oh, uh, last question I've got for you. I, I know from a fact, or for a fact, that after you finish one of these and you've had a day or two to reflect, there's always one thing that stuck out in your mind and said, "Man, that really worked," or I "I'm so thrilled about that." What was your one thing for Grumpy Comp? When I look back at what happened. The desire was for for my end was to have a bunch of people that I knew were open to uh, discussing things and pushing themselves into different directions to learn to do something new. That interesting things would come out of these conversations. And the two things that came out of this that I can 100% confirm that happened was number one, uh, Matthew Weir O'Finney um, finished working on a. Uh, release tool that he had been building to help himself with releases for Zen Framework and various uh, parts of it uh, to manage the building of the change log and the releases and tagging. And we mm -hmm. had a nice conversation in one of the breakout rooms where I was like, I'm doing these uh, train style releases for OpenCFP. And for, for those who aren't familiar with that, what that means, a train release, and they do them at Mozilla where, where I work. A train release is such that you know you're going to be uh, doing releases on specific uh, days. It's usually like once a week or maybe once every two weeks or once a month. Everything that is ready to go goes on the train and it gets pushed out the door. So rather than like curating the release, you're just like everything that's in master is going to get tagged and pushed out and indicated as a release. So I was looking for some tools to kind of reduce the um, manual work that I was doing in order to create these releases. And Matthew was like, I have a tool that's like, half done and he explained it to me and I was like, that's great, but that doesn't solve uh, all the issues that I have. So if you could get it to do this and this and this, that would be perfect. So Matthew worked on that and by the time he got home, it was done and he said to me, hey Chris, I have this working and share your link with me. So I'm gonna be able to use it when I tag the next release um, of OpenCFP. Other thing that came out of this was that the discussion in the car ride from the airport when I uh, first I picked up Matthew and we went and had lunch and I took him to the lo local shopping mall and we just killed a bunch of time and then went and picked up Sarah Goldman. And Sarah and Matthew had a very animated discussion about PHP streams. Uh, and so, yes, uh, with Sarah saying there was a bunch of stuff she wanted to rewrite about it and Matthew was saying, well, it'd be good if it had this and had that. So what happened at the event, uh, both uh, Sarah and uh, Elizabeth Smith and James Titcom started working on doing some cleaning up and re-implementing re a bunch of stuff for PHP streams. And, and these things only happen because I was able to get a bunch of motivated people in one location 
and encourage them to discuss whatever you want to talk about. Don't feel like any topic is too far out there or too trivial to be covered. And watching that happen, I was like, yes, this idea that I have is working and this is exactly what I want to see. And that's how I knew if it broke even and my wife didn't complain about it, that I could do it again next year. Very cool. Yeah, I've actually, and I'll link to it in the show notes, I've got an episode that I recorded at ZenCon a couple of years ago that I sat Sarah and Liz Smith down and specifically talked about streams. And um, so I, I would really be interested in revisiting that with them and see what progress that has been made because both of them have very strong opinions on what should be done and how it should be done. And it's fun. Well, they, to got strong they have strong opinions about everything. That's true. That's true. It's fun just to get them together and talk. So uh, both of them have been in on episodes of It's the Booze Talking. Well, I know Sarah has. I don't know if Liz Smith has ever been on an It's the Booze Talking. That might be a, something I've got to correct at the next conference. She'll be at Detroit. I'm going to have to do one at Detroit. Okay. Hey, we have had some fun here. I've uh, We've answered some questions. Um and we had somebody just show up in the chat room. Eric Poe just showed up, says, hey, is there a nomad going on? Because you're talking in here. It's like, no, not this time, Eric. Um, I do appreciate you, Chris, taking the time to um, talk to us about this. Now, I know I, I mentioned earlier you have announced that you're going to do it next year. Do you have dates yet? Uh, no, I'm, I want to talk to the venue because like some of the things that I want to do will impact the price. So mm -hmm. I want to talk to them. These are the things I want to do. And I want to keep the, now that I know what their pricing is roughly, I'd be like, I want to keep it to this much an attendee, um, as my cost, when's the best time to hold this event? I mean, we did have birthday cake on Saturday cause the, the Saturday of the event was actually my birthday. I turned 47, which makes me like 470 years in um, internet years. So I'm an old man and been around a long time. So partially it was also to get a bunch of my friends to come hang out with me on my birthday. Uh, I would like to do it at that time of year again. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of it, to be honest, will depend on, you know, it, it, looking at the price for this thing. And if I can hold it around roughly the same time, then that's probably good. If, if there's a better time, maybe if for whatever reason, the resort is cheaper in the um, in the summer, then I'll do it in the summer. If it's cheaper in the dead of winter when there's four feet of snow outside, well then maybe I'll, I'll tell people you want to roll the dice and see if you can get from the airport out into the southwestern Ontario countryside um, alive, then come out to the event. So um, roughly the same time, uh, we're still so far out from me having to make any concrete details. For people want to know like kind of a time frame, I started thinking about this in like April of last year then uh, in August of last year, when I moved up here, I started calling around venues to see if there were any that could kind of accommodate what I wanted. I knew right away I wanted to do it on my birthday so that the personal branding thing would be nicely linked. And then in September, I went and saw uh, the venue that was willing to accommodate me. And then in like October, I started putting up the tickets and the website. So, and then about, you know, six month uh, runtime. So, uh, you know, if you are interested in coming to this event next year, start paying attention around the end of the summer. I'll start dropping hints and then build up the website and make arrangements with the venue. And, and then we will go from there. Very cool. Well, 
I want to thank you once again for taking the time to be with us here on Voices of the Elephant. And you've been around the community um, as longer than I have, and um, you've contributed so much back to the community. Uh, a lot of people don't know all of the stuff. They see the books and the you know the free the the stuff that you charge for. They don't see all the help that you've given people. So on behalf of the entire community, please allow me to say thank you for all that you've done for the PHP community. Well, thanks, Cal. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed doing all this stuff. I wouldn't do it um, if I didn't enjoy it, plain and simple. Very good. Okay. We thank you all for um, showing up. Thank you for the live audience for showing up. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, for everybody else who has listened, we really appreciate you listening and being a part of Voices of the Elephant. And do me a favor, go out on iTunes, find us and give us a rating and share it with somebody. Tell somebody else that um, you listen to Voices of the Elephant and you think they ought to also. We'll talk to you next time right here on Voices of the Elephant. Thanks for listening to Voices of the Elephant. Voices of the Elephant is copyright EICC Incorporated and released under a Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives, share and share alike license. To nominate someone to be a guest on Voices of the Elephant, visit our website and click on the nominate link. The URL is voicesoftheelephant.com. Elephant is of course spelled E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.